I Read Comics, Episode 3. Yes, it's another comics podcast, and the big difference is, I'm doing it, and I'm a girl. That's right, a girl that reads comics. My name is Lena Taylor, and I read comics. Hey, welcome back. Thanks very much for taking the time to listen to my podcast. Just to get something out of the way right away, if you want to leave me comments or see the links for the show, it's at ireadcomics.blogspot.com. You can always drop me a line there, send me email, or leave a comment for the show. And I also wanted to say that just this very day, I got email from one of the guys from the shows I plugged last time, which was Peter Rios over at Comic Geek Speak. Um, a show that I really enjoy, and he sent me a really nice email with some feedback, and the very first line says, Always interested in hearing other points of views. I was surprised to hear a female's voice once the episode started playing. And you know, that's kind of the point. So I'm glad he was surprised, and I'm glad he's enjoying it, and I hope more people hear it and go, Hey, it's a girl talking about comics. How unusual. How cool. So on this week's show, there's a couple different things I want to talk about, and there's a something old and a something new and then a something sort of a rant but not really so i want to talk about the old thing first because um this this is something that's near and dear to my heart and i'm sure you know about this and if you don't you should find out about it so in the silver age over at dc they had the jla justice league of america and they decided as the superboy comics became more popular that they needed to have teenagers who were sort of the same thing as the JLA. So they invented the Legion of Superheroes, who were essentially a bunch of teenagers. And they were in the far future, but they had a tie-in with Superboy and a bunch of other stuff that happened to So Legion of the Superheroes. And they were wildly popular books. They went on for a long time. I, I know that the, the series didn't do so well into the 80s, and then they brought it back with some new characters. But um, the Silver Age of the Legion of Superheroes was really the golden age for that comic book. And there were some wacky things that happened in there. Um, it was typical DC weirdness at the time with really strange and plausible plots and covers always implying that somebody was going to die, but not really. Um, people betraying each other all the time. And a lot of what was going on in, in the with the Legionnaires really reflecting the time. So the girls were very girly. There were a couple issues in particular where it was the girl Legionnaires taking over the Legion. Of course, it turned out it was either uh, them doing it to get bad guys or they had been taken over by mind control or something like that. So it, it was pretty funny stuff. And one of the things that they invented... Um, along with the Legion, was the Legion of Substitute Heroes. So they weren't good enough to be in the actual Legion of Superheroes. They had to be Substitute Heroes. So I'll read you the uh, text from the origin of the Legion of Substitute Heroes, which is 1964, Adventure Comics, issue number 323. It says... 
Many young people have tried unsuccessfully to join the Legion of Superheroes, for it is no easy matter to be admitted to the mightiest crime-fighting group in the 30th century. But Breck Bannon, known as Polar Boy, was one reject who would not accept defeat. Contacting four other worthy applicants who, upon being turned down, had been given anti-gravity belts as consolation prizes, he formed with them the Legion of Substitute Heroes, a group ready to take over whenever an emergency arose which the superheroes could not handle. So that's the origin of them. So I think it's hilarious that they were given anti-gravity belts as consolation prizes. Because, you know, you can just give people anti-gravity belts in the 30th century and, you know, they won't use them for, for evil. They won't use them to rob banks or, or do anything else like that. Or, you know, like get high and go cruising around and smash into buildings and stuff. And uh, so it was it was Polar Boy, Night Girl, Chlorophyll Kid, Fire Lad, Stone Boy, and Color Kid. I can't remember who the original ones were and who joined later. But they all had powers that were deemed not quite good enough to get into the regular Legion, which was really stupid because the regular Legion had people in it like Bouncing Boy, whose superpower was to bounce like like a big rubber ball. Like, how is that better than Polar Boy, who could make things cold? I don't really get what the, the scale of relevancy was on that. And then there was Night Girl, who had superpowers, but only at night hence her name like how was that so much better than um duo damsel who used to be triplicate triplicate girl until one of them got killed and then she could only make herself two instead of three you know she didn't have superpowers when she was duo damsel the two of them were not super fast or super strong there were just two of them so how is that better than having super strength at night so these guys were like the rejects from the Legion of Superheroes, but they didn't turn bad because of it. They decided to use their powers for good. Um, there was some subplot about Night Girl being in love with Monel or somebody like that. I can't even remember. That was kind of her main motivation for doing this. She was really cool looking, by the way. She had a black cat suit, a uh, really tight black cat suit with a little cape, and her hair was piled up on top of her head, black, black hair, and she had big earrings. Really glamorous looking. Of course, she had, you know, those little. Um, kitten heels on her boots as well so she looked really sexy and cool she was great looking and you know the boys just looked like boys the way they were drawn at dc at the time which was still a throwback to the 30s style of drawing very cartoony looking um but it got me wondering you know when is a superpower a superpower and when is it a disability so there's stone boy and his superpower is that he can turn himself to stone and once he's turned to stone you can kill him. You can break him into pieces and stuff, and then he's dead. So I don't really get how that's a superpower. That seems more like a handicap to me. Um, chlorophyll kid, he could make plants grow really big. Okay, that seems like it's pretty super. Um, there were some other superheroes that got added later. There was one, um, uh, the uh, uh, there was a girl who was able to... Um, infect people with various diseases. I can't remember her name right now. Not really a superpower. Really seems more like a disability to me. Um, so maybe, I don't know, there should be a legion of disabled superheroes or something like that. So I, I think, you know, we should all think about superheroes who have really specific and and um, very limited superpowers because, you know, if Stone Boy can be a superhero and Bouncing Boy can be a superhero, why not a superhero whose power is, like, he can tell when the milk is about to go bad. That's his superpower. And it's really specific, and it only works when the milk is about to turn sour. 
but that's his power and he can use it anywhere he wants to i think you know domestically that would be a really really good superpower um you can think of your own. There are lots of them like that. Once on an episode of Mystery Science Theater, they had this hilarious rundown of, of superheroes, and they were things like Super Fanny Bryce and a Girl Who Smells Like Soda Crackers, Man Man. Um, he has all the powers of a man, man. And it went on and on like that. So coming up with names for superheroes, diff- different superpowers, think about it. It could be a fun project, and we'll do a comic out of it one day. So the first new thing I wanted to talk about are three little books that I got at um, APE this year, 2005 APE. And the three books are called Tammy Pierce is Unlovable, and the artist is Esther Pearl Watson. She very, very generously gave me these three books. Um, I had actually seen Tammy Pierce's Unlovable, the strip, in the back of Bust magazine. Bust is a mag I've been reading for a long time, because I know Debbie and those girls from way back when, in the 80s and the old Inquisitor days. And I thought it was the best thing in Bust for a long time. They always they run it in the back on the back page as a comic strip and I just thought it was really weird but but really really good so the story of Tammy Pierce's unlovable well the the story of it apparently is right in the back it says based on a found diary in 1995 Mark Todd and Esther Pearl Watson drove from Vegas to San Francisco in the women's restroom of a gas station Esther found this diary so I'm thinking that what's portrayed in the comic as the diary entries really did come from the diary or, or modifications of it. And then um, Esther Pearl Watson drew little stories and the art to go with it. So Tammy Pierce, who is the star, is a combination of all of the girls in high school that got picked on or didn't have friends or were the butt of jokes for various reasons. She's all of those people all rolled into one. Um, And it's all of the things that happened to her. So she really doesn't have any friend except for this one um, stuck-up bitchy girl named Kimberly who is only her friend because she really doesn't have any friends because she sleeps around and she's too mean. Nobody else wants to be friends with her. So Tammy sort of stuck with her as, as like the only person who will tolerate her. And there are lots of boys who bug her and people tape notes to her back. And she has a little brother who's really horrible. And of course, Tammy's in love with the one boy that she can't have, Ken, who's totally perfect and beautiful and probably gay, as we find out. He tells her that he's celibate, but he listens to a lot of Morrissey. So he's gay. The weird thing about this, so normally you would pick it up and you'd go, oh, this is so heart-wrenching. You know, Tammy's the girl that nobody was friends with. It's pathetic and it's sad. But Watson makes it not sad. Watson makes it really funny. And it's not the kind of funny where you feel bad laughing at it. You just kind of hit yourself in the head and go, oh, my God, Tammy's so clueless. How could she be such a clueless person? And in ways she doesn't seem too hurt by all this because she doesn't seem to realize that she's the least popular person in the world and when people are mean to her it's always somewhat of a surprise so maybe that's a good thing she's more or less invulnerable to all the bad stuff that happens um and in some ways you you, you just 
you think not that she deserves it, but that she's got it coming to her in some way. So the way it's set, I don't know if this is true of the actual diary or not, is that it's in the 80s. So um, the way she's dressed is so totally like the worst of the worst of the 80s. She's got this hair that's all sort of horrible and ratted up and all the fashions are really awful 80s, you know, the really bad stuff that we wore back then. Well, I did anyway. Um, I'm trying to find out. Okay, so here's one of the strips. It says, uh, what I wore on my first date. He picked me up at 6.30 p.m. He looked hot. And here's what Tammy's wearing. I think she's supposed to have blonde hair. So she's got a home poodle perm, which is all over the place. And it's got kind of that asymmetrical thing going on. Um, My dad's T-shirt, it says, so a huge white T-shirt, taped shoulder pads to my shoulders. So she's got giant football shoulder pads in there. Um, Lee Presson. Lee Presson. So she's got long, horrible fingernails. And it says the thumbnail fell off in his car. Um, Support pantyhose. And then to top it all off, it says extra large maxi pad. And she's wearing, of course, a teeny little mini skirt and one of those purses, those weenie purses on a really, really long um, strap. And one of those uh, arrow-looking belts that's cinched around her. And Tammy is not a good-looking girl. She's kind of got this piggy nose, and her eyes are really big, and she's got like a mole or something on her lip and a gap between her teeth, and she doesn't know how to put makeup on and everything. (laughs) So that's what she wore on her first date. But she thinks she looks pretty damn good, so, you know, good for her. Um, This guy that she's in love with, Ken, she really doesn't seem to catch a clue about him either. Um, here's the date. Ken drove me to his favorite park and turned the car engine off. He said he had something to tell me, but I had to keep it between us. I had butterflies in my stomach. Quote, Tammy, I can trust you because you are so sweet, Ken said. I thought he was going to kiss me, but he didn't. We got out and walked around the dark lake. And now the art here is a picture of, um... I can't tell whether it's supposed to be a unicorn. I guess it's a unicorn wearing a little dress, and it's very much drawn. This whole thing is drawn in the style of someone who who can't draw well. And Esther Pearl Watson is a very good artist. She's illustrated children's books and done a lot of stuff. So she's clearly drawing like this on purpose to make a point, as if it's the way Tammy Pierce would draw. Um, so she's drawn this little unicorn with little um, wearing this little party dress, and there are little hearts breaking around it because of what Ken said to her. Ken said, I'm going to go on Weight Watchers and don't tell anyone. (laughs) That's his big confession. That's another reason why I think he's gay. And Tammy's comment is, how poopy. I'm tired of love. And if that was my life, I would be too. Um, There are lots of other things in here. I was trying to think of how to describe the drawing style because you'd pretty much have to see it if you wanted to see. It's kind of like Ernie Pook's Comique, the thing that Linda Barry does, except that it's cruder. It's supposed to be cruder. And it's, um, like I said, it's not that you feel like Tammy's being, uh, is she doesn't break your heart the way the characters in Ernie Pook's Comique is, because that's a strip that, that I read, and it really it touches me in, in a, a very deep way. You know, there are so many universal truths in there, and, and there are things about boys and girls especially that are just so true. And this is is a little more light than that, you know. There there are truths in it, and there are characters in here. When you read it, you go, "Oh my God, those are the same people who are at my high school." Like the horrible bitchy cheerleaders who hate Tammy and just tease her at every point. Um, 
this girl named Cassie Smallwood who says, Tammy, when are you going to lose some of that baby fat? It's like, oh, smack her right across the face. And then Jill Virtuoso who says, Tammy, do you like boys? They're always trying to imply that she's a lesbian. And then um, this extremely bitchy girl who's just mean to her face named Shanika Rowland who says, oh, my God, Tammy, change your nasty self somewhere else, like in the parking lot. She smells like fish taco. Yeah, that's the way girls kind of are to each other in high school when they're all bitchy and insecure and they have to do it that way. So Tammy's the target. She's the target of all this. She tries to make her way around it. In fact, um, the way she gets to be friends with some people is she pays them. Like she'll give them a dollar to let them ride around in the car so that she can be in their car when this kid's delivering pizza or something like that. Anyway, I really, really like these comics. You should go check it out. Um, there's a website at estherwatson.com where you can find information. You can buy these little guys individually. Um, the ones that I have are one through three, and I'm not sure if there's a new one out yet. But Esther's an independent artist, and these are totally independent publications that she does. So I urge you to support her because we should always be supporting our independent artists. And Tammy Pierce is Unlovable is a real find. It's definitely one of the best things out there. I think women in particular would like it, but I, I think guys would kind of enjoy this too because there's some really keen observations about the way that guys are in high school that I think anybody would enjoy. So it's a big two thumbs up from me. Tammy Pierce is unlovable. Okay, next on the list is something else new. It's not that new, but it's new enough. And it's a webcomic that's not really a webcomic. So I, I do like webcomics. I like to read them. I think there's a lot of extremely interesting stuff going on. Um, this one I was turned on to, of course, by the fabulous uh, Ginger Mayerson, whose music is played throughout the program. And I don't know how she found it, actually, whether she found it on her own or somebody turned her on to it. But it's not so much a webcomic as a thing called Fumetti, which is basically um, like photo manips, Photoshop stuff. So what he does is he takes these action figures and he poses them and then he creates backgrounds for them. So they look like they're actual photographs, but of course they're not. They're just action figures. It's called Alien Loves Predator, and it's at alienlovespredator.com, and he puts out new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, except that I think that may be changing because his wife is about to have twins. So the guy who does it, his named Bernie, his last name is spelled H-O-W, which I guess is how, and he lives in New York City. And Alien Loves Predator is very New York-oriented, so if you're from New York or you know about New York and you get those kinds of jokes, you will find it funny. Even if you don't know a lot about New York, you'll think it's hilarious anyway. Um, the two main characters are Alien, like Alien from the Alien movies, and Predator, like Predator from the Predator movie. And in this strip, um, Alien's name is Abe, and the Predator's name is Preston. The premise is that they're roommates, and they live in New York, and they just live in New York, and that's their whole life. So Abe and Preston have adventures. They're really, really funny adventures. They act just like normal people, and the concept of alien and predator walking around New York, and people not really figuring that they're different, they're just like every other New Yorker, is hilarious, because that really is the way it was. If Predator was walking around New York, people wouldn't give him a second glance, you know? The face that's so monstrous with the giant fangs and the Rasta dreads and all that. In New York, he would just be another guy standing on a street corner. So, it's really funny. Um, the strip that's happening right now, as of July 1st, is that Preston has a date, and he's actually, he met this girl when he was getting fitted for glasses, because his eyes are not so good. Uh, so, he's actually 
going to score some, I think. Whereas Abe is just totally helpless with women. He really wants to get laid and really wants to date women, but he's so pathetic. It, it's not even funny. Well, it's hilariously funny, but he's really pathetic. Um, the, the other storyline that's happening right now, um, which I don't quite know where it came from, but it's really good, is that they have a third roommate because the rent went up on their rent-controlled apartment and they had to take somebody else in. And their new roommate is Jesus because Jesus is a pitcher for the New York Yankees. So it's Abe, Preston, and Jesus who all share an apartment together. And the Jesus in here is sort of like Kevin Smith's um, buddy Jesus. He's really funny. Well, he pitches for the the Yankees and, uh, you know, is helping the team succeed. But he has a lot of rather wry commentary on their lives. So uh, there's a lot of stuff that you can get there, too. You can get T-shirts. Bernie has contests occasionally. He always posts a little note after each strip that he puts up explaining what's going on or or explaining some of the references to that and um, you can go through the archive and see all of them and and it's up to something like oh he's 128 that's it's strip number 128 as of today I'm just looking at it and it's totally worth your while to go back and look at them from strip number one Um, the the dialogue is just so funny I, I don't know if it will be as funny if I read it to you in this strip that I'm looking at right here, the newest one, Preston and his date, Corinna, are in a bar. His phone rings and he picks it up and it's Abe. And he says, why are you calling me during my date? And Preston says, why are you picking up? And Preston says, why are you calling me during my date? And Abe says, why are you picking up? And Preston finally says, what do you want? And Abe says, the Yankees are losing to the Mets. The Mets, I need to kill myself. Where do we keep the poison? So Preston says, look, I can't talk. Find some other way to kill yourself. And in the last strip of the panel, not to give it away, it's a spoiler, right? He's watching TV, and the TV is coming up next, an all-new, I want to be a Hilton. And Abe's writing a note that says, dear Preston, by the time you read this, I will be dead. I thought that was so funny. (laughs) Abe is so stupid. But he's probably right. If you watched I Want to Be a Hilton all the way through, it would probably kill you. So um, I, I really think this is a great strip, and I highly encourage you, I strongly encourage you to go out and, and read it. And I just found out, actually, that you can put it on your RSS feed. Um, if you go to the AlienLovesPredator.com page, the feed is down at the bottom. There's also a live journal, which I just added to my friends list, so you get it automatically. Alien Loves Pred is the username over at Live Journal. So check it out, and let's keep our fingers crossed that um, Bernie and his wife and their little twin babies are fine, and we get to see more of Alien Loves Predator. So the last thing I want to talk about in this show is not so much comic-related as comic-fan-related. And the reason I wanted to talk about it is because of two things. Because, number one, there's another comics podcast that I really enjoy. So here's another plug for one that I think is good. And it's called Comic Rants. And it's by a guy named Matt Farr. And his show is half comic booky stuff, and then the other half is usually a rant. And his rants are very, very funny. He's a funny guy. I like him a lot. And one of the rants that he did recently was about fanboys because he's worked a couple of conventions and he hangs out at comic book stores. He's well acquainted with your average fanboy and boy is the important word here. And he did a whole rant that was like 10 minutes long about how fanboys should behave at cons. And his whole point was that they should bathe with soap. 
don't forget the soap. And also that they should wash their hair once in a while so that they're not horrible and stinky. And I totally agree with that. I've been to lots of cons. And Comic-Con last year, if you were at Comic-Con last year, you might remember that there was that one day where it was really, really hot in the hall. You know, 10,000 people in a hot hall in San Diego when it's 95 degrees outside. It was pretty damn stinky. So I completely agree with everything that Matt Farr says, that fanboys should wash themselves with soap. So... To continue along that train of thought, I am often struck by, in other comic podcasts, but in places that I see online and in forums, fanboys bemoaning the fact that there are no girls that they could have as their girlfriends who like comics. And it's like, oh, if only I could have a girlfriend who liked comics, who would read comics. There are no girls out there who like them. It's like, okay, you know what? That's bullshit. There are lots of girls and women out there who enjoy reading comics. They're there. The problem is you're not meeting them, and maybe it's because of you and not because of them. So as somebody who reads comics, so, so let me just say, of all the women out there who enjoy comics, lots of them are babes. I'm a babe. I'm a hot comics babe. I'm one of them. I freely admit that. But I'm not going to be looking at you more than twice if you haven't washed in three days and you stink and your hair is greasy. It's just not going to work that way. Let me tell you some other stories about fanboys to exemplify the things you should not be doing as a fanboy if you would like to meet a nice comic geek girl. So the first thing is that the fandom I'm really involved in besides comics is Star Trek, and I've been involved for a really long time. And I write fan fiction, and I participate in some discussion groups, and it seems like no matter where you go in Star Trek fan fiction, unless you're in a closed group, there's always the guy the guy who has to be on top of everything, who has to tell you that he knows more than you, who has to criticize your points of view and your stories because he knows better. Just because he knows more about Star Trek, because, like, in your story, you didn't totally explain the scientific detail behind, you know, whatever goddamn thing happened to cause the plot to move along, you know, that the transporter went kablooey or something. And he's got to pick that apart. And even though, you know, your story was great and the character development was good, you didn't get the technical detail right so therefore it was crap in his eyes he always wants to argue about this stuff he always has to be on top he's like the alpha geek except he's not really a geek he's like an alpha monkey he's not even a wolf he's an alpha monkey that's what we call him there's always an alpha monkey out there who's got to just like show off to let people know that he's the guy who knows more okay let me just tell you Women do not find that appealing, being the alpha monkey. You might think that you're showing off by knowing more about everybody else, but no. People think you're an asshole when you do that. Let me just tell you that right out. You know how in the world that's not the geek world, when you see guys who drive those giant SUVs, like those navigators, and Hummers especially, what's the first thing you think of when you see a guy like that? Oh my God, needle dick. I'm really sorry that you have a tiny little penis and you have to compensate by driving this huge fucking van thing that's on steroids. That's what everybody thinks about you, Mr. I'm driving a giant SUV, is that you have a tiny, tiny little dick. It works that way in Geekland. People in Geekland don't drive SUVs because they're poor and they can't afford them. So the way that they have to increase this, the, the virtual size of their penis is by showing how much more they know than everybody else. And maybe that impresses your guy friends. It does not impress women, okay? So I just want you to know that. A perfect example of this happened this past year when I went to a WonderCon in San Francisco. 
specifically to see um, a new cut of the movie Free Enterprise, which is one of my most favorite movies. I love Free Enterprise. It's a total geek movie. It was um, directed by Rob Burnett and written by Mark Altman and Rob Burnett. And it's about two guys who are Star Star Trek geeks, but science fiction geeks and geeks in every way. It's a wonderful movie. And of course, William Shatner is in it, which is the other great, great thing about it. It's a great movie, and they were there because um, they have a new version coming out on DVD sometime this summer. In fact, I think they're supposed to have copies for sale at Comic-Con, which is coming up really soon, and I hope they do. And Mark Altman was, was there to introduce the film and then to take uh, do Q&A afterwards. So we sat there, we watched it, it was great, um, and such a funny thing. The added stuff that they had was really good. He got up afterwards, and he was taking questions and answering. He's a really funny guy. The, the character of Mark in the movie is based on him and you can see because it's Eric McCormick who plays Mark um, clearly was doing his Mark imitation so that was great and I'm sitting there and and, you know we're asking questions and there's a guy in back of me um, so somebody else asked a question about uh, one of the Star Wars trivia things in the movie and Mark Altman answered and this guy sitting in back of me is like oh no that's wrong and it was a question about the moons of Endor or something like that. I'm not a big Star Wars fan, so I don't know this one. And proceeded to get into an argument with the writer of this movie about this tiny little piece of Star Wars trivia just because he was a fucking alpha monkey and he had to prove to the whole world that he knew better. And you could just see the whole room is turning to look at him like, dude, shut up. Nobody cares about the moons of Endor when we're here with the writer of this brilliant movie. Shut up. And he wouldn't shut up. And finally, Mark Altman was like, you know what? Let's not talk about this anymore. We've had a limited amount of time here and let's move on. So there was an alpha monkey right there. And everybody hated him for it. It didn't impress anyone except, I guess, himself. And it certainly didn't impress the hot comic babes in the audience, i.e. me. So if you act that way, especially if you act that way at a con, you're not going to get laid. And you're certainly not going to get laid by me. And if you saw me, you would be really upset about that. So several pointers. Don't act like an alpha monkey. If you're trying to chat up a girl or if you're dating a girl who's a comic geek, don't tell her what to read. You can suggest things, but don't tell and don't lecture and don't don't use your alpha monkeyness. Um, also, don't get upset if a girl knows more about something than you do because it happens occasionally and it's happened to me where I've been in a situation where some some alpha monkey that I was talking to just refused to accept the fact that I knew more about something than he did because how could a girl know more about some geek subject than he did so don't do that um wash with soap wash your hair and you know while you're at it get a haircut um because it doesn't look cool to have hair that's like all over the place and not very good. You can go down to cost to the the cheap haircut place on the corner and get a decent haircut for like ten bucks. And while you're at it, lose the aviator glasses. Napoleon Dynamite was a really good movie, but nobody wants to date a guy who looks like Napoleon Dynamite, really and truly. Okay, decent haircut, decent glasses. You know, dress normal. Don't dress like you shop at the Goodwill or you're a criminal because those things are really not very appealing either for you guys who are just walking around like that. If you're into a look, you know, a goth look or whatever, that's totally cool. But if you're just a guy, 
don't don't dress like you found your clothes in a garbage can. It's just not very appealing. And if you do wear glasses, um, stay away from those smoked or tinted lenses because they make you look like a serial killer, really. And that combined with the Napoleon Dynamite haircut, you know, you're like some creepy cross between Waylon Jennings and Mark David Chapman, and that's really just not appealing. So these are all tips coming from me, and, and I know these things. So... Um, that's our little rant for the week. Sorry if, if I got a little carried away there, but it's important stuff. And if you've got comments about this or you'd like to know more, don't hesitate to drop me an email. Go visit the uh, website that's over at ireadcomics.blogspot.com to say something. And um, next time I'll be back with even more about Conan the Supermodel because just today I got my next issue of Chronicles of Conan. I haven't even had a chance to read it yet, but I will. And next time I'll talk and we'll do some scans and I can show you the difference between the horrible fucked up color in the Dark Horse reprint and the beautiful color that was in the original comics. So that'll be next time. Thanks for listening and we'll see you later. (laughs) 